We're going to look directly to the Word of God. I'm going to read from the book of Jude just a couple of verses of Scripture. These are the Scriptures we used last week, and we began to teach about our subject and, and uh, laid a good, sturdy, and strong foundation, but we're, we had to kind of extend things into this week. It's either that or go two and a half hours, and I figured we might as well just go ahead and extend it on into this week. And we're going to look into the Word of the Lord from the book of Jude, and uh, I'm going to read just a couple of verses of Scripture here. Uh, the Word of the Lord uh, says in this very first uh, verse and second verse of this one chapter book, the book of Jude. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to them that are sanctified. Everybody say sanctified. By God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Everybody say preserved. And called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Hallelujah. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about sanctified, preserved, and called uh, the sequel or part two. And we're going to talk about these powerful uh, scriptures. The uh, fact of the matter is the book of Jude is a book that deals with uh, the judgment of God. And it is specifically referring to uh, a particular uh, type of deception that can come to and against the people of God and something that you and I need to be aware of. Now, the Bible tells us that the serpent of Genesis chapter 3 was the most subtle beast of the field. So we have to know that about our enemy. Our enemy is a subtle beast of the field, or, or there's a lot of subtlety to him. And this uh, subtlety is something that, that just as Eve should have been aware of and just as Adam should have been proactive about, you and I must be prepared to deal with the subtlety uh, of our adversary. It is through the subtlety of the enemy that he would like to deceive us out of the blessing of God. There is no way to adequately describe or articulate just how much man lost when man fell in the garden. We can't fully fathom it because we're so far removed from that special place that God had given to man, this inheritance that the Lord had bestowed unto his creation, the Son of God, that's who Adam was. Adam was the Son of God, and he gave it away. And it was given away through the subtlety of the serpent as he deceived Eve, and then Adam was not deceived but was disobedient. And that disobedience followed deception. So there's no real, there's no real uh, way to adequately put a, 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 an analysis on just how much was lost in that whole exchange. And, and the rhetorical question is, was it worth it? And the answer is a resounding no, that it was not worth it. And no sin is ever worth what you lose in the, in the, subtle, the subtleties of the adversary. And, uh, and so we want to talk about that a little bit uh, tonight, using the book of Jude as a springboard. I do want to say how happy we are to have all of our guests with us. If you're a guest here tonight, could we give our guests a great big hand? We're so thankful that you're here. Amen. 
And if we haven't got a chance to meet you, I'd we look forward to doing that. I want to say a special God bless you to Brother Demetrius Minor from Tampa, Florida, a good friend of ours of many years. God bless you, Brother Minor. His family was in Germany for a little while, and we're with Brother and Sister Enos, and we, we love this family. But the, the, the scripture that we're looking at is from the book of Jude, and it has to do with certain men, the Bible says, crept in unawares. So there you have the subtlety. The subtlety. Certain men who creep in unawares. We likened it last week to the parable of the tares and the wheat. How that while men slept, the enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. So something very disruptive can happen in even the kingdom of God and even in the work of God. Something disruptive can happen while men sleep. It, it, it's not necessarily out of malice. It's not necessarily out of, out of a tremendous amount of uh, intentionality. In fact, it's a lack of intentionality. It's when men sleep. It's when you take your eye off the wheel. It's when you don't realize uh, that, that something is happening, that these things occur. The scary thing about uh, falling asleep and spiritual slumber, it is related to natural sleep. And it is, the scary thing about it is you don't know you fell asleep until you woke up, until you wake up. And, and, and how many have ever experienced that before where you, we call it nodding off. And, and then we, 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 I did it the other day. I was sitting there and, and uh, I was, all I was doing was just sitting there. And then all of a sudden I woke up and I, and 30 minutes had transpired between the time that I was sitting there and the time that I woke up. Because it is a strange little area that you slip into and stuff can happen around you that you are not aware of. And this can happen spiritually. Things can lull you into sleep, lull you into slumber. And before you know it, things have taken a turn in your life because you were not spiritually attuned to what the Lord is doing, not spiritually attuned to what the enemy is doing. And the Bible tells us that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices, but that we should be aware of what the enemy is trying to do. So the whole book of Jude, it's this one chapter, one book that has one chapter, and the whole book is is related to preparing us for these certain men who creep in unawares. And the writer goes on to explain all of the judgments of God that were listed, some of the major judgments of God that were listed in the Old Testament, how that they are not to be overlooked, they're not to be downplayed, they're just as real today as they were back then. And that's something that our world does not understand and it is something that our world does not believe and if you fall asleep guess what you'll stop believing it too it is very possible for people who once were on fire for God it's possible for that fire to go out it is possible for people who once were devoted to God it is it is possible for that devotion to change a person we call it backsliding it's a person who is going forward, a person who is advancing and doing well in, in their walk with God and growing in grace. And something happens, and there is this backsliding that begins to occur. And, and that backsliding is a, it's a way of describing a person who begins to slip backward into the things God delivered them from. 
The scripture actually describes it as uh, those who would go back as a, as a pig would wallow in the mire and as a dog, hate to sound so, so crude with this, but this, it's the scripture, as the dog would return to its vomit. And in fact, this is, this is something that the apostle Peter refers to in 2 Peter chapter 2. And his epistle, the second chapter of his second epistle, actually is very close to the epistle that Jude wrote. Several of the same themes, several of the same uh, references to the Old Testament judgments. And, and, and he begins to describe that it would actually have been better in the judgment for people to have never known the way of righteousness than to have known the way of righteousness and then walk away from it. So there is a, there is, in fact, here it is, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20, if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are entangled again therein and overcome. The latter is end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, and he re references the proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. That's who we are. We were delivered from the rudiments of this world. We were delivered from the bondage of corruption that exists in our world. And this is why preaching about and against sin is so important. And it has to be supported by the church. Amen. We have to have strong pulpits and we have to have strong pews, if you please. There has to be somebody willing to stand up and say sin is sin. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Amen. This is, this is the responsibility of the preaching and teaching of the word of God to declare what sin is and to lead people away from it, and there needs to be a resounding and hearty amen from the people who are hearing and receiving the word of God. Amen. Now, we thank God for that amen corner. The apostles were not so, uh, they did not have that great luxury of an amen corner. Uh, they had more of an ahem corner. There's a difference between an amen corner and an ahem corner. And the amen corner is the corner that says, we're with you, pastor. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Preach it when it rubs us the wrong way. Preach it when it conflicts with things we're doing. Preach it when, when we don't even agree with you. Preach the word. Hallelujah. You're going to thank God because I'm going to tell you something. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but his word shall not pass away. And we have a responsibility to stand up and declare the word of God, come what may. And regardless of what opposition may present itself, but God forbid that opposition come from within the house of God. 
Of all places, the church must always be a united front to say God is God. Let him be true and every man a liar. And let his word stand as the principal guide of our life for eternity. Hallelujah. So this Bible, I just want to be perfectly clear. This Bible is the great arbiter of all things. We anchor our souls to this word. Hallelujah. This is the settler of all disputes. This is the settler of all agreement or disagreement. This right here, if this proves a certain way, that's the way we walk in. Hallelujah. There is no political ideology that usurps this word. There is no vain philosophy of this world that usurps this word. There is no opinion of any person that usurps this holy Bible. Praise God. And, 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 as, and, and, and it is absolutely imperative that we understand that and that we receive our daily bread from this book. Amen. And how we live our lives, I want to be able to attach it to chapter and verse. Praise God. I want to be able to attach every, every doctrine has to be anchored to the word of God. Every teaching has to be anchored to the word of God. Every habit has to be anchored to the word of God. Everything that we walk away from, we do so because the word of God gives us the principles by which, and listen, the word of God may not have addressed every little nuance of modern technology, but I promise you that the principle by which we apply the word of God can be found in these scriptures. Hallelujah. And we've got to be committed to it because guess what? Certain men crept in unawares. Certain doctrines can creep in unawares. Certain people, certain ungodly spirits, deceptive spirits. And the serpent is the most subtle beast of the field. But you know what is deceitful above all things? Your heart. Your heart is deceitful above the serpent that is the most subtle beast of the field. What, is, what does that mean? That means the way you feel is more deceitful than anything else. And desperately wicked. I'm going to tell you something. You let somebody feel a certain way and it can overtake their whole being. Just as important. You know, what, you know why the medical term uh, for this organ that is beating in my chest right now, providing a blood flow, thank God, to, to the parts of my body that need blood. Do you know why they call it the heart? The medical term is, is it's referred to as a, a cardiovascular organ, but, but its nickname is the heart. The reason they call it the heart is because it is a reflection physically of what the heart of the scriptures is spiritually. The heart this heart, that, that's not a physical anatomical term. The physical anatomical term for this organ that supplies blood to my body is cardio. It has to do with the cardiovascular organ and, and, and its effect upon the, 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 the venal system of my body. But, but because it does for my body what this thing the Bible calls the heart does for the whole person, they call this the heart. Amen. So, that, so, so what the Bible is referring to as the heart is the seat of feeling. It supplies the flow of blood to the whole being, to the whole person. And it is so important that you get your feelings aligned with the word of God. 
Hallelujah. And, and you, I've been, God's been dealing with me a lot about this lately. So, so if, you'll, if you'll bear with me, you've maybe heard me talk a lot about the heart lately. God's really been dealing with me about the heart. And, you know, when we talk about feelings, sometimes we can downplay them a little bit. And, and I've done it. I've said things such as, whether you feel like it or not, you ought to praise the Lord. And that is so true. And, 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 and absolutely, whatever, doesn't matter what you feel like, do what is right. But, but that's, that is not the most sustainable model of a Christian walk. The, the most sustainable model of a Christian walk is if you have to do that for a little while, that's kind of a stopgap measure. The real ideal of God is that you love the Lord with all of your heart soul, mind, and strength, which, which takes care of your spirit, it takes care of your soul, and your body. Strength is a reference to your body. And, and, and so the, the heart, though, is a precursor to all those things in, in serving the Lord. So it's vital that you get your heart right with God. Hallelujah. And if you don't get your heart right with God, I'm gonna tell you that a bad feeling can start to get you directed off the path. You know, the Bible says that the root of bitterness springs up and defiles many. You'll find some of the most talented people in the boneyard of backslidden Christians because bitterness sprang up within them. It defiled them until they died spiritually. And they couldn't get over the feeling. Resentment will defile people's walk with God. Jealousy and envy will defile people's walk with God. You cannot allow yourself to get envious. I rebuke envy off of every one of us in Jesus' name. You better pray that thing as far away from you as you. That thing is a subtle beast and it'll wreak havoc in your heart and mind and home until it leaves you as a shell of what God wants you to be. Praise God. These are feelings that get into the heart. And, and so if you can get your heart right, and that's what Jude is really calling for as a, as a preventative to being susceptible to certain men creeping in unawares. Now, the doctrine that the certain men creeping in unawares presented in the book of Jude, uh, it's, it's found in that, uh, that fourth verse, and it says this, there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, here it is, turning the grace of our God unto into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. So we talked about last week, and I just want to reiterate it a little bit. Lasciviousness, that is a horrible lust of the flesh. Lasciviousness is a terrible lust of the flesh. And it is an unbridled, unrestrained lust of your flesh. And, and it's basically a stamp of approval upon the lusts of your flesh. And it is the earmark of a heart that is so far from God. And, and so basically lasciviousness is you saying, because I feel it, it must be all right. And I'm going to tell you something, I don't care if you feel it or not. If it's not right, it's not right. You feel it all you want to feel it, it still doesn't make it right. Now we got to get you into a... a pure and plain path with God so that you can get your feelings in line with his word. But until then, you've got to separate yourself from your feelings. 
Hallelujah. And so they're take, they're, the goal of these certain ungodly men is to take the grace of God and turn it into this, this base, lewd lasciviousness. And, and how dare they take this beautiful grace of God, this magnificent grace of God, this beautiful favor of the Lord. How dare anybody try to take that thing that saves us through faith, that thing that is sufficient for us, that thing that is made perfect in weakness, that thing that is amazing day in and day out, that great grace of God, how dare they try to turn it into lasciviousness. But this is how the doctrine goes. The doctrine goes like this, that you can do what you want to do because the grace of God will cover it. That is turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. The grace of God is not a licensure for you to do wrong. That's where we get the word licentiousness, and it is connected to the word lasciviousness. And it's not a license for you to do whatever you want to do. The grace of God is the empowerment of our Heavenly Father inside of us. Something we do not have access to, but by His good mercy. His good mercy allows His grace to come into our lives and we are able through the empowerment of his grace to live a holy life that we would be unable to live otherwise. Hallelujah. So Jude brings forth this preventative uh, description and he, he calls it being sanctified, being preserved and being called. Now this is what we have to, this is what we have to really embrace. Sanctification. Whoo, Hallelujah sanctification, being made clean. I, I, you know, we hear terms like sanctification and justification, and the questions are, you know, when are we justified and when are we sanctified? I like what uh, Dr. Bernard, our general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church, I really like the way he put it. He said, sanctification and justification are two words that provide different vantage points of the same miracle of salvation. So, for instance, here's the plan of salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to say that one more time because I, I needed just a, a little more response. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. One thing we have to be careful of is we cannot grow immune to that verse. We can't just chalk it up to, well, we hear that all the time. We hear that. It is the gateway to everything else, and it is the foundation for everything else. Hallelujah. Repentance. That turning from sin, baptism in Jesus' name, the washing away of those sins, and being filled with the Holy Ghost, the power to come up from the grave is the foundation for everything else. And don't ever forget it. And don't ever let anybody talk you out of it. And don't ever let anybody shame you for quoting it so much. And don't ever let anybody tell you that that's all you know. No, that's not all I know, but that's all the scripture uses as an anchor for everything else. You go back and read those Old Testament stories and you'll see the precursor to those three commands and those three 
identifying factors, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you'll find them scattered throughout the Old Testament as a precursor to what's coming. Salvation, salvation, salvation. Justification and sanctification are both the experience, a different way of describing the same experience. Justification is a legal explanation for what happens in Acts 2.38. And a sanctification is a purifying metaphor used to describe what happens in Acts 2.38. But they are both different descriptions of the same experience. So when you, 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 it's not a matter of, well, here I'm justified and there I'm sanctified. No, no, the whole thing is justification and the whole thing is sanctification. Justification, made innocent, made clean, made pure, made blameless. Sanctification, made innocent, made clean, made pure, made blameless. Hallelujah. So he says, be sanctified. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, this is a sanctified church. What kind of church is this? It's a sanctified church. Hallelujah, hand clap, foot stomping, Holy Ghost, tongue talking. Ah, that's what we are. We're a sanctified church. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. Hallelujah, you are called out of darkness. We don't entertain the darkness of this world. We're called out of darkness into this marvelous light. That's what this light is. It's a marvelous light. It's not just one light among many lights. No, it's a marvelous light. It's not a take it or leave it light. It's a marvelous light. And you better raise your kids in it. I said you better raise your kids in it and you better pray them into this altar and you better have them at the house of God. Don't you get casual on me. Don't you get complacent on me. Don't you get into this carnal mindset of we go when we feel like it. No, it's marvelous. You get to think in that way and certain men will creep in unawares to your thought process. And they'll turn that grace of God that was meant to save you into a thing that will damn you to a devil's hell. Notice what they did. They turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. They, oh, no, no, no. They didn't start with lasciviousness. Much too subtle to try that. No, no, no. They start with the grace of God. Oh, yes. The grace of God. I want to tell you, that's what the devil started with. Hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden like he cares what God said. But that's where deception starts. It starts with what God said and the grace of God. And the effort then becomes perverting it, twisting it. That's why, that's why some, of the, some of the very notorious perversions of our day are desperate to try to find validity in this book. They can't do it because it's not there. But they'll try their best to take something that is there and then twist it and pervert it and distort it. 
And if you're consuming nothing but social media, you'll believe them. And if you're consuming nothing but mainstream media, you'll believe them. And if, you, and if you're given over to this popular culture, you will believe them and you'll go to hell. That's what will happen. That's what happens. You have got to be sanctified. Sanctified, you've got to be purified. You have got to come out from among them and be ye separate. Who said? Saith the Lord. That's who said. Not Joel. Saith the Lord. You've got to come out from among them. You've got to be separate from them. You've got to walk away. You've got to be made holy. You've got to be made pure in the sight of God. Oh, I'm going to tell you something. When there's something, my God, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When there's something that begins to make you doubt the things of God, you better not walk away from it. You better run from it. He didn't say walk away from fornication. He said flee fornication. I'm going to tell you, flee is different than walk away. Flee is get up and get out and run for your life. God, I'm, I'm a hold of, I got a hold of something right now and I'm going to go in on it. I'm telling somebody, I'm reaching for somebody's soul tonight. You've got to flee for your life. This isn't a game. You've got to be sanctified. You've got to be purified. Holiness isn't an old-fashioned term. It's the most relevant word you have. And this isn't the time for you to walk away from holiness. It's the time for you to get a hold of it and hang on for dear life. My God, I'm going to tell you, the whole Christian world, if you please, those who profess faith in Christ, Every one of them are taking note that when the world has veered sharply into left field and much of the Christian community has gone right along with it. And you'll see pride flags hanging right next to a Christian flag. And, 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 and the, the, the world that professes faith in Christ is looking in right now upon the apostolic Jesus name church. And they're wondering, how are they standing the test of time? How are they not moving? How are they steadfast? I'll tell you how. Because we believe in one God and we believe he is holy. And we believe he makes us holy. That's how. That's how. It is the one God message and it is the holiness message. Hallelujah, it's real repentance. It's not repentance as a word. It's repentance as an experience, as a process, as a command of God. Real repentance. Turning from sin. I said turn from sin. Don't manage it. Don't cope with it. Don't try to deal with it. You run from it. Hallelujah. That's the only thing that's going to save you is if you will really actually turn from your sins. And you can go find a bunch of preachers that'll tell you otherwise. And they'll mislead you and take your money while they're doing it. 
But, but Jude is saying, hey, hey, listen, there are deceptive voices out there. And if you want to survive the, the, the temptation of deception, you have to be sanctified. Holy Ghost filled. Fire baptized. Blood washed. I said blood washed. There is still power in the blood of the Lamb. He's still a holy God. Oh, the whole world can change around us, but you go back, go, go read this again. It hasn't changed. I said, this has not changed. Go read it. My God, they may come out with a new translation that may try to change it, but it has not changed. This stays the same. This stays the same. Put your feet in it. Plant your heart in it. Raise your family up in it. Talk about it when you sit in the house. Talk about it when you rise up in the morning. Talk about it when you go to bed at night. Hang it upon the doorposts of your home. Hey, hallelujah. Walk about Zion. Mark well her bulwarks. Tell of her towers. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. His holiness is a mountain. It is a firm foundation upon which you can stand. Be sanctified. Be holy. Repent of all your sins. Die daily. Come out from the world and be separate. Separate from the world. Separate under the Lord. I'm talking about real sanctification. Sanctifying fire. Holy Ghost power that comes down into your being and convicts you of sin that's in your life. That purges your mind of things that ought not be there. That cleanses your appetite from things that ought not be there. That convicts you about what you're watching and about where you're going and about what you're wearing and about who you're with. Holy Ghost power, real sanctifying fire. Somebody lift your hands and praise him right now. Come on, praise him right now. Hallelujah. This world needs a sanctified church. Ah, they don't need a church that's trying to be like the world. They need a sanctified church. They don't need a church that's trying to act like the world. They need a sanctified church. Things ought to be sacred to us. There are things that are sacred to us. We're not casual about it. We're not complacent about it. There are things that are sacred to us. They're holy. We are not sanctimonious, which is a false sanctification. It's a self-sanctification. Sanctimonious is an attitude where we begin to think that somehow we're responsible for our sanctification. No, 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 it's not us. It is him. Hallelujah. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. I'm going to tell you something. The difference between the sanctified and the sanctimonious is a smile on their face. We're in sanctification, in real sanctification, you're sanctified and you're happy. 
in false sanctification, which is sanctimonious, you are you are putting on a front to make people think you're sanctified and you have to put on that extra facade of arrogance to make them really believe it. It's false, but real sanctification will humble you down to the core of your soul until every waking moment you are thankful to God. Thankful to God. Huh? And you look at people who are struggling in the sin you came out of and you won't point a self-righteous finger of condemnation at them. You will lend a hand of extended grace and mercy in their direction. Because if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, you and I would be lost. I can't, I can't point my finger and condemn anybody because if it wasn't for the mercy of God, I wouldn't be here today. But God who is rich in mercy, God who is abundant in grace, God who gives perfect love that casts out fear, he brought me out of darkness. And he sanctified me. And the Bible said, we are preserved in Jesus Christ. Preserved in Jesus Christ. You know why you got to be preserved and why I have to be preserved? Because as long as you have this physical body, you're in a body of death. And the Bible calls it a corruptible body. You know what that means? That means it is able to be corrupted. And you've got to stay in a position of sanctification. You've got, why? Because of the physical body. If we didn't have this body of death, then we wouldn't have to die daily. But every day I have to repent again, call upon God again, get some daily bread again. It is because of my natural body that I have to do those things. It's this body that gets irritable. It's this body that gets imbalanced. It's this body that has appetites that are unhealthy. All sorts of appetites that are unhealthy and they all contribute to a spiritual lagging. I've got to be preserved as long as I'm in this natural body. You've not made it to heaven until you've made it to heaven. No such thing as a once saved, always saved. No such thing as eternal security. You better step into the glory of God every day that you live you ought to wake up in the morning saying I am blessed I am blessed when I wake up in the morning till I lay my head to rest I am blessed I need you again today oh God I need you again oh God Hallelujah. I spoke in tongues yesterday. I shouted yesterday. I gave him praise yesterday. But I need him again today. Not because it's not a lasting power, but because of this corruptible body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't you let any certain men creep in unawares and tell you prayer is not important. Worship is not important. Sacrifice isn't important. Living a holy life isn't important. Dying daily isn't important. Those are certain men crept in unawares who try to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Hallelujah. They'll try to creep up into your, into your suggested social media reels. And I know you can listen to whatever podcast you want to listen to. You better, you better make sure 
that whoever you're listening to has rightly divided the word of truth. Because they can talk about your favorite God subject and twist it into something not of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to be preserved until the day of Jesus Christ. You've got to stay in the fight. I preached this past Sunday the 50th church anniversary of New Life Center in Buffalo, New York. My grandfather preached their dedication of their new building years ago. I was so thankful to preach their 50th church anniversary. I started preaching at that church in Buffalo when I was 18 years old. And I'm 44 years old now. And I tell you the joy I had when I walked into that building and I saw people magnifying the name of Jesus, living a holy life, sanctified, washed in the blood, new souls filling the altar, speaking in tongues for the first time. People who were 18 when I was 18 and are 44 now that I'm 44. And now they're pillars in the church, leading their families into the things of God. I'm going to tell you, that gives me a joy that I can't even describe to you. Oh, God, listen to me. Listen to me. There's coming a day, should the Lord tarry, that none of us will be in this building. But this building, hallelujah, and this congregation, it needs to be full of the Holy Ghost. It needs to be full of the fire of God's spirit. It needs to be holy in the sight of God. Not in the sight, not in the sight of this world's opinions, but in the sight of God. It needs to be holy and blameless, without spot, without wrinkle, washed in the blood of the lamb. Oh, I have a sense of it. I've just seen too many people veer from the path. I've seen too many people walk away. I've seen too many people leave behind these things of God that are so precious and beautiful. When we were talking to Brother Tyler and Sister Caitlin Kovach about becoming our student pastors, the question that we asked them, one of the first questions was, what is your favorite scripture? And Brother Brian Duvall asked Sister Caitlin, what is your favorite scripture? You know what her response was? It was, buy the truth and sell it not. She could only get through the second half of the statement because her voice cracked and tears came to her eyes. Buy the truth and sell it not. And we said, well, I guess, I guess we don't have any more questions. Because that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Because if you get a hold of this truth, this truth will make you free. Oh God, let us buy the truth. Oh God, let us lo love the truth. Oh God, let us stand upon the truth and never be led astray. 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 But let us stand fast when the world is changing around us. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I feel like we need to respond to God right now. Come on, lift up your hands and your voices unto God right now. Stand with me right now in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I want somebody to come to the front right now. Somebody who wants to dedicate and rededicate themselves to the truth of God. 
to be sanctified, to be preserved, to be called. And this is our calling. This is our calling. This is our calling. We are not called to our own gospel. We are called to preach his gospel. We are not called. We are not called to win friends and influence people. We are called to win souls to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are called to go out into all the world and preach the gospel that saves to the uttermost. We are not called just to build a beautiful building in Cincinnati. We are called to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yes, for us, it starts right here. Oh, God. But I want you to know it's to spread. Hallelujah. It's to spread. And I don't want to spread anything but the truth. If I'm going to spread error, Lord, remove me out of the way. Get me out of the way if I'm spreading error. Shut my mouth, Lord, if I begin to be deceived. Throw me down, God, if I begin to deceive and be deceived. Uh, only follow me if I'm following Christ. I don't want anything but truth and the love of God and the pure word of God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Weep for you and your children. 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 Pray. Pray for this generation. Pray for your own heart, your own soul. Pray for the brother and sister next to you. Oh, seek the face of God. Seek the face of God. Oh, <laughs> 
is doing something very special in this house right now. If you're praying, just continue praying. But if you see somebody that's reaching out to God, brother to brother, sister to sister, husband and wife is fine, of course, but if you see somebody that's reaching out to God, I want you to find them and pray with them right now. God's doing something special in people's lives. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and feel after the Lord. Put your arm around somebody. Go lay hands on somebody. Pray for somebody. Ha, ta, 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 In the name of Jesus.